If your AC is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Lucis Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill, presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inner Sight. Inner Sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way, with new eyes. So stay with us, and together we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today is Spiritual Law, Part 3. Or laws, another subtitle might be the Laws of the Soul and of, or, or Group Life. Uh, we have a thought here from Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey is the founder of the Lucis Trust organization. She uh, has written 24 four volumes of literature, and all of the dialogue that emanates from this show is based on the writings of Alice Bailey. This is a thought from one of her books. The urge to sacrifice, to relinquish, this for that, to choose one way and thus sacrifice another way, to lose in order to gain. Such is the underlying story of evolution. It kind of reminds me of that poem by Robert Frost, The Road uh, Less Traveled, uh, where he more or less in uh, symbolism talks about how he refers to his own life, where he chose to be a poet, and one can imagine how difficult that much must have been at the time. He had no forethought or crystal ball that would have predicted that he was going to be a famous poet, but uh, that's, what it, that's the thought that it triggers me. He avoided a lot of uh, the paths that uh, we usually take that, were, that are more typical of people. Uh, why, why is sacrifice, why is, set, why is it said to be the easiest law to, why is it said to be the easiest law to understand? Sacrifice is something that we learn whether we choose to or not, because um, it's part of the experience of um, running one's head into a brick wall over and over again, which uh, is how life teaches us, many of us who have strong wills and perhaps a, a slow learning capacity, we learn the hard way through our um, living experience that looking out only for self-interest simply does not work. And another aspect of sacrifice that is taught uh, so quickly to us is that we, most of us, grow up in families. We grow up 
with parents and brothers and sisters and perhaps cousins and aunts and uncles. And family life is wonderful training ground for learning to sacrifice because you realize at a very early age that you're part of a, a larger group and that you're not the only or even the most important part of that group. You're just a member, and you have to adapt yourself to the group interest, the group good. Then you go to school, and you're part of a class of 20 to 30 kids, and you find that you have to share and adapt. If you join clubs, uh, if you play on sp- on sports teams, you learn further that uh, sacrifice is part of uh, being a member of a group. Mm-hmm. So life from a very early age has a way of teaching us. Um, it's also something deeply embedded in the Judeo-Christian culture and in Islam too because the whole story of Abraham which lies behind those three religions is the story of Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son Isaac to serve God and so it's a a deeply embedded thought form in our whole cultural and spiritual psyche I think Yes, and that uh, <clears throat> deeply embedded thought form goes even further back, I would think, to the to the very uh, higher aspect of ourselves, our soul selves, uh, because that's um, that's really why we're in the world uh, to undergo the certain sacrifices, to uh, uh, act in the redemptive capacity, and that takes uh, a lot of sacrifice, even. So even at the soul level, this um, this law comes into play. And it is a law of the soul, that's right. It's a law of group life and a law of the soul. It's imposed by the soul. Sacrifice isn't something that happens to one that's unfortunate uh, and unavoidable. It's actually an experience that the soul um, undergoes in order to render itself, um, what, a, a more adaptable, more sensitive part of the whole. That's accomplished through learning sacrifice. Sacrifice means literally, I believe, to make sacred. Mm-hmm. And uh, our our more traditional um, reaction to the word sacrifice is something like, owie, yeah. <laughs> or mm-hmm. oh no. But to the soul, it's oh good. Mm-hmm. Because sacrifice is to make sacred and all of the polishing and burnishing of life experience and of sometimes pain and suffering uh, hones the vehicle, the individual, into uh, a fit instrument Mm -hmm. for the soul's will and plan. That's the whole point of sacrifice. It's a joyous experience, in fact. I think we tend to think of sacrifice more traditionally not only as something that hurts but as a kind of a bargaining with God. And I think Abraham tried to strike a bargain. Mm-hmm. But as I yeah. recall, God would have none of it. He stayed his hand. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but, uh, yes, I, uh, we tend to see sacrifice from our personal standpoint and what we're going to give up and uh, what we have to give up. And if we're going to sacrifice, we have to always give up something. But really it's what is being gained mm-hmm. is of more importance to uh, consider uh, there's something of a greater, greater, um, greater light uh, that is being gained in the process of sacrifice, and this is what the soul comes into the world uh, 
that's the very express purpose that the soul comes into the world for the gain <coughs> that can be accomplished for uh, the whole working out of the plan of God. Christ touched on that, uh, didn't he, when he said to Nicodemus, he who would find his life must lose it for my sake. Uh, that's, in a sense, a bargain, but uh, it's also a, a realization that you give up in order to receive something much greater. Yes, at the at the soul level, there is an esoteric uh, definition of uh, the, the, the law of sacrifice. It has to do with those who are willing to die. Uh, meaning to incarnate and uh, come into this tangible physical world to the soul. This is undergoing such limitations and imprisonment that it's it's like death to the soul. But it's it's a welcome sacrifice that uh, with <clears throat> because it has much greater implications to it. Is it accurate to say, based on the works of Alice Bailey, that uh, when one makes a choice, if one is truly on the path to higher evolvement, that when one makes a choice, uh, that it should not be from one's own ego perspective, but to choose according to what you genuinely want, but also to choose according to what's good for the group as well. Is that correct in assuming that that's, uh, is that the way it works? And yes, if you put it in that larger, mm -hmm. wider context of how, how it would serve one's group, whatever one thinks one's group is, mm -hmm. yes, then it makes, hopefully it makes one's choice more uh, worthy mm -hmm. and um, a richer gain to the soul than just thinking what's in it for me. Yeah, it's a good choice for me, but is it good for the whole group? Is mm -hmm. it good for humanity in general? Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting thought. Uh, but in being that way, sometimes it can be kind of painful because maybe our uh, smaller ego wants uh, something that may not be good for the group, so it can be painful. Why, do, why does it have to be so painful at times? I think it has to do with the fact that we're beings with will and desire. We have powerful desires uh, that are anchored in our emotional mm -hmm. life, and we, many of us with even half a brain, have a developing will, mm -hmm. and um, that will gives us a sense of um, a goal, a purpose, a mission, and if we are self centered and selfish in our orientation, then all our energy is going to go into fulfilling this goal in terms of self-interest, like you just said, mm -hmm. to answer the question of what's in it for me. And that's where all our suffering comes from. We think of sacrifice as painful, but in fact it's said to the soul, sacrifice is pure bliss. It's to the, the separated individual that sacrifice can seem to bring suffering because the pain and the sorrow that are felt are the individual, self-centered individual's little plan and his rebellion, in a sense, against the greater will of God, which is always to integrate that individual into the larger whole. That's all. That's the entire purpose of evolution, to integrate every little atom into the larger, greater plan of our world. If we've got self-interest and self-will, we're going against that. That's rebellion, and that's where our pain and suffering come. Yes, we really don't have to undergo all of this pain and suffering, but uh, as you say, once the uh, realization comes that with greater integration with the soul, with that higher self, and the values that are expressed by the soul, and the, uh, then this pain becomes less and less uh, as time goes on. 
but um, yes, that that's true. And also, I mean, this is essentially what the Buddha, the, the the purpose of the Buddha's teachings was to overcome, help us overcome the suffering that uh, is so prevalent in the world in his eightfold noble, uh, fourfold noble way and the eightfold path and all of that is the lessons that uh, help us if we are willing to follow them then uh, there is teaching there that can help us eliminate a lot of the pain and suffering it's also helpful to remember that sacrifice pervades all uh, all levels of our world it doesn't just pertain to the human level uh, the mineral kingdom sacrifices its um, its quality its um, contribution to the vegetable and animal and human kingdoms through the the minerals that leach into the soil that then are absorbed by the vegetable kingdom which is then eaten sacrificing itself to the animal kingdom and so so on up the evolutionary ladder sacrifice is uh, the giving up of the lesser to the greater and it's a great mystery Unfortunately, humanity has has tended to view that sacrifice in the evolutionary or natural sense as giving mankind its just due. But that's that's a very crude and uh, human-centered view of what um, is really a deeply spiritual principle. Yes, and I think there's evidence that uh, this law of sacrifice uh, and, and salvage and salvation, if you will, uh, is already making a um, presence in the world, and uh, we can we can see it in such things as uh, the the instinct of betterment uh, that it drives a lot of people many people forward. They're always trying to better their conditions, uh, the urge to progress, uh, and the the efforts in the population to ameliorate uh, many. Um, conditions that uh, they see as painful. Um, <clears throat> there's the tendency to philanthropy. That's also an aspect of this law coming into play and uh, the growing sense of responsibility. So there are indications already that we're responding to this uh, great law of the soul and it's um, it's be growing more and more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many spiritual insights from a multitude of uh, religions, and we mentioned uh, Buddha before, that indicate that we are all one. And, of course, uh, spiritual law has set forth that idea for so long, spiritual philosophy and Alice Bailey, and now it's confirmed by quantum physics. Maybe it's not such a sacrifice, or maybe nothing's a sacrifice if we key into the reality that that we're all connected and that we're all one. I guess it's maybe maybe the... Satisfaction in that is redefining redefining the answer of what is this, the definition of what the self is, which is a show we got into once before. But for those people who tuned in, you're listening to Inner Sight, and this week we're talking about uh, spiritual law, part three, laws of the soul or the group or group life. And if anyone would like to order this tape, you can certainly order uh, our cassettes, copies of our previous shows. And you can call. You can order our books too if you call up on the toll-free number one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. Once again, it's one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. And uh, we have twenty-four volumes of books. You can purchase them through us by calling on that toll-free number. You can uh, order individual books. Uh, what would be uh, the most appropriate book uh, for this particular uh, theme? Uh, 
Esoteric Psychology, Volume 2. Okay. Mm -hmm. Esoteric uh, Psychology, Volume 2, if you'd like to order that book and explore the topic of spiritual law. You certainly may, and once again, you can also order all of the shows that we've done on spiritual law, uh, law by giving us a call and ordering them. They're an, uh, an nominal fee, and we'll ship it out to you. You can also ask for a general package of information. So many people call, and they want to know more about Lucis Trust, who are we, and the most commonly asked question is, uh, is Lucis Trust, is it a religion? And uh, no, we're not a religion. We're an organization that explores spiritual philosophy and in people who uh, develop an interest in the Alice Bailey books and in Lucis Trust uh, come from a multitude of religious backgrounds. Um, uh, you can also purchase our books at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, or uh, Borders. And you can also key into our website at www.lucistrust.org. And if you do that, you can uh, listen to our previously archived shows, uh, shows that I mentioned before, such as What is Self and um, many other shows that we've done. Our email is newyorkatlucistrust.org. And once again, that general package of information, please order it if you're interested in Lucis Trust and finding out more about who you are. An easy way of remembering the number, one eight six six ny lucis Think of New York Lucis. Uh, another thought that I like from Alice Bailey is that she says that service is a life of demonstration. Demonstration. What does she mean by that? Uh, service is another one of those laws of the soul and of group life. Just as it's a law of the soul to sacrifice, it's also a law of the soul to serve. It's as natural to the soul as breathing is to the human body. When she said that service is a life demonstration, she was suggesting that it's more of an uh, a a display of an attitude or of an orientation to life than of an activity or a particular behavior. So often we think of service as doing good, and that's part of serving, but you have to be careful because sometimes doing what you think is good might be interfering with someone else or imposing your own viewpoint upon them. Um, probably the most a powerful example of service is the example of good character of someone who can live in right relationship with others. So being able to just witness uh, how a person lives his or her life and how he or she responds in times of crisis can be mm -hmm. the, the best form of service. So that's what it seems to suggest to me. Yes, and it says service is a life demonstration and it's if you think of it in terms of a demonstration of this energy of life uh, <clears throat> think of life as as a um, animating and uh, conditioning <clears throat> energy that um, flows throughout all of the evolutionary uh, plan that's working out on this planet and um, so life demonstration is a the soul urge, and uh, the thing to um, bear in mind is that alignment with the soul allows the energy of life to flow more freely. And the life of the soul is then expressed and the less of the life of the personality, and I think that is the um, kind of the key to allowing the uh, life, to exp having an expression of the life uh, demonstration of the soul. 
service is also closely linked with sacrifice in the sense that um, we can serve others by giving up or relinquishing our tendency to criticize or to analyze and adjust uh, their work. We all of us find ourselves doing that in, a, in the workplace, in our relationships with others. We can serve others when we relinquish or give up the sense of responsibility for their choices and their actions. Uh, so many well-intended people kind of live for the people that they love. They try to guide and um, dominate, in a sense, the choices and values, particularly of their children, rather than letting them learn through their own experience and through their own inner wisdom. And we can serve others by giving up or sacrificing that sense of pride that so many intelligent people have that makes it one think that one's own point of view and one's own interpretations of a situation are the right ones and not imposing that on, on others. So so service and sacrifice are, are very closely interlinked. We can serve others by leaving them free to evolve and um, experience on their own. We can serve others when we express joy in living. Think of the people that are most yeah. joyful. Yeah. They they serve just by their radiation. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. They're, they're serving humanity just by uh, demonstrating a joy for existence, mm-hmm. a joy for life, mm-hmm. respect for all of life forms. Uh, what are the characteristics of a true server? Um, I think it's, it goes back to what we've said um, earlier about integration with the soul uh, those where those soul qualities begin to emerge into the outer life, then you have um, you have a, a very definite expression of, of of love and of sharing and of goodwill, and uh, as you just said about expressing the joys of life and uh, all of that. I say those those are some of the characteristics. Harmlessness would be another characteristic. Mm-hmm. Someone who can express himself, react, uh, choose in such a way that they don't sacrifice their individual integrity, but at the same time they don't wound or harm others. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before uh, about harmlessness and how hard it is to um, build it into your character, but it's such an important part of service. Yeah, I want to just add to that a little bit. Uh, harmlessness is uh, helps prepare the way for the inflow of life. Uh, it dissipates uh, all obstructions uh, to the flow of love, and uh, so that's one of the outstanding characteristics of a true server. He's he's allows this flow of love to flow through him and into the uh, into human consciousness. What? What effect does service have on the mind and the emotions? Uh, I think probably a great deal of uh, impact because a lot of service is accomplished when one is really stretched to the limit. Real service probably doesn't occur when you are just going along comfortably with handling whatever is comfortable and convenient for you to handle in terms of responsibilities and 
challenges. I think the the service that really tests and hones the power of the soul is uh, the service given when one is really stretched to the limit. And at those times, uh, the emotions and the mind are put under uh, a significant testing and stress, and um, that's where uh, it can help to develop the, mi- the power of the mind and to calm and integrate the, the emotional body. It doesn't come easily, but it's through the very stress and testing. Yes, and it depends a lot on where one is in his or her focus of consciousness, how they respond to this uh, law of service and impulse to serve. Because in the beginning, uh, service can be a lot of busy work. It can be uh, going hither and thither, as they say, and (laughs) (laughs) doing all kinds of good. Which is fine. I'm Mm -hmm. not uh, putting it down at all. It's the start. And uh, people tend to serve because it makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. Well, that's okay. But uh, we have to realize that there is more to it, that you you keep going at that pace. And as the soul qualities begin to um, make more of an impact on one's consciousness, then that self-centeredness tends to disappear. Oddly enough, sometimes when one is most emotionally unhappy and um, upset, you can look back on those times and see that you really did give of yourself. In spite of the way you felt emotionally, that was only a small part of it. The, the, the fact was that you were able to give and to put others first, to give up uh, something lesser for something greater. Uh, I think we put so much attention on how we feel emotionally that we sort of use that as our as our barometer for evaluating everything when in fact, if we could learn to just ignore how we feel sometimes yeah. and go on in spite of that, we might see a great deal being accomplished and feel a lot better about things if we didn't make being happy and content the be mm-hmm. all and end all. I don't know if that makes sense no, it really does I think yeah. we uh I think it's so hard not to harm other people because one of the um, issues that you and Dale set forth too is the idea that uh, even our body language or our um, giving in and being self-indulgent to our own negative feelings, well, we affect those people around them and may, mm-hmm. we, we may hurt them much mm-hmm. better to set forth the idea that, uh, okay, let me suppress my feelings and give a generate an idea of strength and happiness in spite of the fact uh, of how I might feel. Is that more or less what you're saying? Because you affect the group that way. I think so, yes. Uh, When you start to realize how you affect the group, you realize uh, how much harm you can do. But that's also when you really start to serve, when you put what you do and are in the context of the group. I suppose most service begins with a sense of mercy and compassion. Mm -hmm. And then you serve because you have to, because of an inner compulsion. And then finally, the true server serves simply out of love, love for humanity, love for life. And so we, we go through these stages of service and we stumble and we make mistakes and thereby we learn. It's a learning process. And uh, the, the programs that we've done in the past on the seven rays all of those rays provide guidelines for how we can most appropriately serve, and it's quite a fascinating subject to think about and to reflect on. We can't all do the same things, which is probably pretty good in terms of a nice orderly planet, mm-hmm. but we all have something to give. 
Yes, I just dropped this in too that you mentioned about group service, and I think uh, we have to realize that one is benefited by working in a group, and mm-hmm. that uh, the atmosphere of the group also affects one's uh, uh, inner. Uh, ability to serve, and uh, so it it works both ways. Yes. And remember, if you want that general package of information to find out who we are, it's quite comprehensive. There's a lot of literature informing you about us. Uh, give us a call at one eight six six NY Lucis. That's the easy way to remember. Think of New York Lucis L U C I S. This show is funded by the generous donations of our listeners, and we need and welcome your support. And that's about all the time we have for our discussion today. You've been listening to Inner Sight. Now we'd like to close with a world prayer called The Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds, let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts, may the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. (laughs) 